Congress members reflect a year after the deadly insurrection at the Capitol. All Black House and Lincoln is a stunning showpiece. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. We're back from an extended break, but we're so excited to be back and telling you all about the Central Illinois news. Uh, Without further ado, Kelsey is going to give us an update on COVID developments, because a lot has happened in the last three weeks. Yes, it has. Uh, Between the holidays getting wrapped up and with the new highly transmissible Omicron variant, COVID cases are spiking across Illinois. After we saw three hour long waits at some testing centers, rapid tests sold out from pharmacy shelves and hundreds of new cases being reported in central Illinois counties. Every day, the Biden administration is now working with the U.S. Postal Service to deliver 500 million COVID-19 rapid test kits. In Chicago, new COVID rules and protocols went into effect Monday, requiring everyone ages 5 and up to provide proof of vaccine for indoor venues, including restaurants, bars, gyms, and other indoor venues like sports and entertainment areas. The Secretary of State's office also announced DMVs would close to in-person service until at least January 18th. So to keep up with the latest as this pandemic rears its ugly head once more, follow our reporting at jg-tc.com, herald-review.com, and panagraph.com. Alrighty, now let's move into some slightly COVID-related, more than slightly COVID-related. And now let's move into some business news. Sierra, take it away. An 11-year-old snow leopard at Miller Park Zoo in Bloomington died Thursday of COVID-induced pneumonia. Rylu, who has been with the zoo since 2011, is one of five big cats with the zoo that contracted COVID-19 in November, leading the city to close the Cathifer Animal Building uh, to the public. Rylu played an integral part in the North American Species Survival Plan, fathering seven cubs. He was also photographed and featured in the Joel Setor's project, The Photo Arc, and his photo has appeared on the side of the Empire State Building in New York. His death came a day after the zoo closed the big cat house for a second time since the animals contracted the virus. The zoo had been treating the animals, but Rylu's health took a turn for the worse this week. Zoo Superintendent Jay Tetzloff said that the other cats who contracted the virus, including three other snow leopards and the zoo's Sumatran tiger, have responded to treatment. The zoo will be vaccinating all susceptible species, which includes the North American river otters and some primates, once the vaccine becomes available. Five big cats have died of COVID-19 in North America, all being snow leopards. For more details about the zoo and what precautions they are taking to protect the animals or more on Rylu's legacy, you can find my story at panagraph.com. You can also read Brendan Dennison's report from earlier this week about the building closure. Maggie Marley's Irish Pub in Normal is looking to expand to include even more dining space. The Uptown Normal Review Commission is expected to vote on the $950,000 expansion, which would fill the vacant lot at 128 East Beaufort Street between Maggie Miley's and First Sight Apartments. The expansion includes two floors with the first floor adding 1,100 square feet in additional dining space. The back half would be a garage and an elevator. Upper floors would have an open air terrace and an outdoor bar at the front with an interior space in the back for restrooms and other facilities. This would connect with the second floor that Maggie Miley's already has, which includes a ballroom space. If approved, the building owner plans to rent out the ballroom and this additional space for events. So for more information, you can find my story at panagraph.com. 
I'm personally really excited for Maggie Miley's expansion. We are big fans of the restaurant in this house. <laughs> um, other than that, Eastern Illinois University alumnus Keithan Hedrick and his wife Keontae will pitch their company, Candy, to a panel of potential investors on ABC's TV show Shark Tank this week. The couple has developed a platform that allows fans to virtually meet and greet with their favorite celebrities or social media influencers. The company also helps celebrities to make accounts and set up their own rates with profits split 75% to the celebrity and 25% to the company. And they already have more than 350 celebrities and influencers using their platform. Today, the Hendricks will be pitching their show to Shark Tank investors, and I'm sure we will have an update on how the show went for them next week. Uh, to read more about this upcoming company and the family, find Matus Janique's story at jg-tc.com. We're going to move into state government news with a little bit of reflection on the January 6th insurrection, which happened a year, to, a year ago this week. This week marked one year since the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, in which some of the most violent supporters of former President Donald Trump stormed and ransacked the Capitol, seeking to prevent the certification of election results that showed Trump lost to now President Joe Biden, State House reporter Brendan Moore wrote this week. In two columns reflecting on that day, Brennan spoke with Illinois congressional delegates like Sherry Bustos, Rodney Davis, Darren LaHood, and Adam Kinzinger about their experiences that day and in the past year. Brendan also took a look at U.S. Representative Mary Miller and State Representative Chris Miller, husband and wife, both Republicans from Coles County. They were kind of in the center of a political storm last year, he wrote, noting Mary Miller spoke at a rally outside the Capitol the day before the insurrection, quoting Adolf Hitler and referencing his indoctrination of German youth when making a point that conservatives will, quote, lose unless we win the hearts and minds of our children. Chris Miller, who had also attended an earlier rally in Washington, had the spotlight turned to him a few weeks later when a picture surfaced showing his pickup truck with the decal of a far right wing militia group on his back window. Members of that group, known as the Three Percenters, participated in the violence on January 6th. Brendan delved deep into these topics this week and looked to the future of several of these candidates, so if you'd like to read more, I'd highly recommend finding his columns, both found across our three sites, herald-review.com, panograph.com, and jg-tc.com. And now let's move into more local government news. Uh, Sierra, what's going on in Bloomington? In some quick news for Bloomington, uh, the city is moving all meetings virtual for the month of January as coronavirus cases surge in McLean County and in Illinois. City staff and council members will meet in person with up to 10 members of the public for all meetings. It is the second time Bloomington has moved to city meetings virtual since the start of the pandemic in March 2020. The city held its first in-person meeting 16 months later in July uh, 2021. Um, If you want to read more about this story, it's very quick. You can find it at pangraph.com, and it was written by me. The Decatur City Council this week voted to boost the city's COVID-19 mortgage, rent, and utility relief program by $300,000. The council approved the request from the Decatur-based social service agency, Dove, which administers the program on the city's behalf. Dove Executive Director Tammy Wilcox told council the rise in COVID cases is significantly impacting working families, as a week without income can be detrimental to those already living paycheck to paycheck. So far, 160 Decatur families have received help with rent, mortgage, and utility payments, totaling more than $414,000. About $450,000 in COVID-19 stimulus funds had been previously allocated to Dove in August. 
Council and other city leaders also expressed concern for the growing number of COVID cases in the latest surge linked to the Omicron variant. So to read more about what they had to say and for full coverage of that meeting, be sure to find Brendan Moore's report at herald-review.com. And down in Mattoon, the Mattoon City Council this week approved a 230126 community development block grant to North American Lighting for new manufacturing lines at their warehouse, which elected officials said would create 20 new jobs and, priori- and prioritize community development. Mayor Rick Hall also announced that an AmeriCorps volunteer will be helping the city for the next 11 months on the Mattoon in Motion project, which helps with workforce development and marketing the area for potential businesses. For full meeting details, check out Mattoon's Genie's story at jg-tc.com. Now, Kelsey is going to take us into education with uh, some school closures. Bloomington District 87 joined a growing list of Illinois districts that had canceled classes or shifted online in the wave of new COVID infections. Superintendent Barry Riley said the number of COVID cases and quarantines has affected the district's ability to safely and and appropriately staff the schools. The district took an emergency day Friday, and in neighboring McLean County Unit 5 and Olympia School Districts, schools were closed on Friday because of the extremely cold temperatures and wind chills that were forecast. Unit 5, however, used an e-learning day, so students were still expected to log on and keep learning on their day away. Riley told the Panagraph he expected some of his District 87 teachers who had children in Unit 5 would have to be home on Friday anyway, so it made sense to use an emergency day. Panagraph reporters Connor Wood, Brendan Dennison, and I also spoke with parents and teachers about how they would have to adjust for the e-learning and the emergency days, so... If you want to read more about that story uh, and hear more from those who were most affected by this, be sure to find our story at panagraph.com. Lincoln College has delayed the start of its spring semester due to a surge in COVID-19 cases in Logan County and in Illinois. Traditional courses will resume January 18th and the school's accelerated bridge to education classes will begin online January 10th. Offices and facilities will remain open under normal operating hours. The college is not the only school delaying the start of the spring semester due to COVID. Illinois State University has also delayed the start of its in-person classes and announced last month that it will use remote learning for the first two weeks of semester starting on January 10th, with classes resuming in person on January 24th. For all the details and more, find Connor Wood's story at panagraph.com. And just quickly, it's worth noting Decatur Public Schools is in the midst of its superintendent search, and Valerie Wells has several stories at herald-review.com keeping up with that process, including finalists who have been named and community forums, so be sure to find all of her coverage in Decatur. And now Sarah will take us into some sports news, more specifically some basketball news. After Illinois State University women's basketball took down Bradley last week, despite three starters out on COVID protocols, Coach Kristen Gillespie said she's looking forward to this weekend's games back at full strength. Starters Juju Redman, Deanna Wilson, and Jada Stinson will be back in play, but Gillespie noted that last Saturday gave her players the opportunity to step and show what they could do in Team's 64-57 victory over the Braves. The Redbird women are on the road this weekend, taking on Indiana State at 5 p.m. Friday and Evansville at 1 p.m. Sunday. Check out Panagraph's Jim Benson's interview with the coach and at Panagraph.com and look out for his weekend coverage as those games get underway as well. 
The University of Illinois men's basketball took down Maryland this week with big numbers from seniors Trent Frazier and Kofi Cockburn. The 76-64 win was padded by 23 points and 18 rebounds from Cockburn, who was only on the floor for about 28 minutes thanks to early foul trouble. 11 of Frazier's 16 points came in a 2 minute and 47 second stretch in the second half, giving Illinois its first lead on that side of the halftime. The Herald and Review's newest edition, Illini reporter Andy Kimball, wrote this week the Maryland team was a preseason top 25 pick and will likely be a contender in the NCAA tournament this season, showing just what Illinois might be able to do in the big dance this March. Catch up with all of Andy's coverage and keep following the Illini across our three sites, jg-tc.com, herald-review.com, and panagraph.com. And big shout out to... Andy Kimball, our new Illini reporter. Andy's coming to us after working for the Jefferson City News Tribune and the Columbia Missourian. We are so excited to finally have a full-time staffer covering Illini athletics again. So if you want to keep up with him, be sure to follow him at ByAndyKimball on Twitter. All right, now let's move into some public safety and courts news. 32-year-old Benjamin Reed was arrested Tuesday at St. Mary's Hospital in Decatur. He faces charges of first-degree murder and aggravated battery after police believe he fatally stabbed a DCFS investigator in Thayer, a town south of Springfield. The investigator who died was 36-year-old Deidre Silas of Springfield, San Jamon County. Coroner Jim Almond said she died of multiple sharp force injuries. Reed had gone to the hospital apparently seeking treatment for a cut to his hand after reportedly fleeing the scene of the stabbing, authorities said. Later taken to the San Jamon County Jail, Reed's bond was set at $5 million. For, for more details and more uh, to hear about who knew uh, Deidre, you can find Tony Reed's story at heraldhyphenview.com. A 14-year-old boy was arrested on firearm charges from a December 27th shooting that left a 16-year-old boy injured. The victim was taken to a local hospital and is considered to be in serious but stable condition, the police told the Panagraph. The 14-year-old was arrested at his house and police found a stolen and defaced firearm during their investigation. He is being held at the McLean County Juvenile Detention Center and is charged with aggravated battery with a firearm, unlawful use of a weapon, possession of a stolen firearm, and defacing identification marks of a firearm. Kate Heather's story at panagraph.com has all the details, so if you want to read more, head on over to our website and read his story. All right, let's move into some community news, taking us down to Logan County. This is a story that ran last weekend, but it's pretty cool. An all-black house in Lincoln has recently gained social media fame for its unique renovations. Uh, Built in 1993 with white tan walls and carpeting, managing owner and broker Seth Goodman has transformed this home to match his unique vision. The house has been updated with jet black features, including siding, decking, roofing, and window panels. The interior also matches the outdoor um, and is all-black really stunning. It was listed on December 16th and has been shared on Facebook over 100,000 times within 48 hours for its unique look, with an additional 26,000 shares from the Facebook page Zillow Gone Wild and its Twitter counterpart. Side note, I actually saw this on TikTok, and I didn't realize it was in Lincoln until Brendan's story, so that was pretty cool. Uh, Anyways, Brendan spoke with Goodman about the remodeling and his vision, including uh, getting photos of the stunning interior design. I actually would buy this house for myself. I just think it's really unique and cool. I think it's, I really like the updates that um, they did to it. Um, I don't really like 90s architecture, but I 
I like what Seth did with this house. If you're curious and want to read more about the story or to see photos of the property, you can find Brennan's story at panagraph.com. And since we've been away for a minute, uh, we want to wrap up the podcast by saying, well, Happy New Year and talk about some of our New Year's resolutions coming a little bit late. Um, Last year, we talked about our resolutions and I personally failed in mine. Um, Well, we both did dry January last year and we were successful in that. But last year, I made the goal of reading 12 books and I read nine and three quarters. So I didn't quite make it. Um, So my goal again this year is to read 12 books and to diversify the authors that I'm reading as well. And we are once again doing Dry January. And this month I'm actually doing Veganuary as well, going vegan for a month. Um, So that's going okay. Um, I I was already vegetarian, so it's not a huge deal, but it's a little inconvenient at times. Um, Also, my other goal is to floss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so like Kelsey said, we're doing dry January again. Uh, last year was a pretty good reset for me. Um, I am doing a lot better with dry January this year than I did last year, which I think says a lot about my mental health. (laughs) Um, but yeah, other than, uh, doing that, uh, I have also, um, been doing a restrictive diet but not because it's a new year's resolution um i've cut out dairy and um gluten and coffee so majority of caffeine not all caffeine because i still drink soda and stuff but that's also just for some health issues i've been dealing with but um new year's resolution is to like really focus and stick with it because it, it, it is helping i also um went to work out more I did not work out as much as I did last year and it just wasn't really feeling motivated but I got this new exercise bike and I have already done two days in a row of 30 minutes on it while watching tv and I love that so I'm really excited to continue using my exercise bike and I think that's going to do it for um new year's resolutions oh (laughs) I mean I do floss occasionally but it's not every it's not every day so um oh I also have my 2022 planner which my one of my resolutions this year is to actually use it because I did my I did January for my 2021 calendar and it it fell apart because of um one the pandemic and then um my 2020 calendar I had done most of 2019 and then um once the pandemic started in March of 2020 I stopped using my planner so I would like to use my planners I think they're beautiful and they're fun and they're easy to organize so I should I just need to do better at it Um, I think that's going to do it for us today, folks. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and are reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.